right about then I knew I was in serious trouble. Gosh, the pain, I can't even describe how sore I was. Just try to explain that again to me to see if I'm understanding this right. That doesn't even sound reasonable, are you serious? Hi, I'm Andy Rayner, your host of the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast, where we discuss everything from hiking, culture, theology, West Africa, stories, running, you name it. Come get a unique perspective from the East Coast of Canada. All right, welcome to the podcast today. We have something interesting today. We have uh, Tom Marshall with us, and Tom is uh, is starting a, a podcast. It's called the Two Birds po- uh, Two Bird Dog Podcast, and it hasn't aired yet or gone live. But we'll uh, keep you posted as to when he gets that online, so that you. Can... What's that? Because I'm slow. That's okay, man. Uh, you 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 slowed down enough for me to hook hook you for a recording. Uh, for the podcast today, shared an article with Tom, and uh, it's from ChristianityToday.com, and uh, it, it was first aired in 2017, and it's called "Is Online Church Real Church?" by uh, Carl Vatters, V-A-T-E-R-S, and you can get that on ChristianityToday.com. But what was interesting, Tom, about the article and why I wanted to talk to you about it was. Uh, he, he actually wrote a, an article leading up to this one um, that he was called, basically, he was talking about how the gate, gatekeepers are gone, so what's holding your ministry back and right. your church back from digital ministry? And uh, and what he's saying there is is that, you know, like years ago, in order to do videos or online content or books or print things and, and put it out to the world, you had these literary and media gatekeepers that cost a lot of money and they, they, they were very snobbish. They would only work with certain, certain people and under certain circumstances. And so the smaller churches never really had much of an opportunity to access media and, uh, these, you know, digital content and getting into the world. And what he said there was, there's absolutely no reason in this modern age, the gatekeepers are gone. Anybody can put a service online. Anybody can do a podcast, live stream or whatever. And that's kind of, you know, what we find ourselves uh, doing a little bit, but, uh, you know, uh, and, and I, and I, in fact, I was attending a church just last week, um, and they Facebook live their church service the, the church has a facebook page and it costs absolutely no money to facebook live the or you know that video and audio to the world so that people can watch your service whether it's around your community or wherever they're from it's just a way to expand the footprint of the church but what was interesting in this uh, uh, article tom was uh, he was he was wanting to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of online church and you know he was he was uh, saying is it really is online church um, like real church. And, uh, and what's your thoughts on that, Tom? What do you think are the strengths and we- weaknesses of, of maybe just people who do a lot of connecting through the internet, kind of like we are here over Skype today? What do you think is the strength of that, uh, uh, or as a church body and can people connect over, over this and, and call it church? Is it legitimate church? What do you see as weaknesses? Uh, what, what concerns would you have? Well, glancing at the article, and I only had time to glance because I was in, in class and stuff. Um, the one thing I noticed, yeah, you can't you can't have communion with all the other people, uh, so you'd have to actually you know have your own little communion and all that. But that that one on one, the laying on of, of hands for prayer and all that, yeah, that's something that you cannot do. But but watching my wife because she's really the social media person in our house, you know, she's a part of Kinder Chat. Um, she's also part of 
of a group of, of women that, you know, part of that kinder chat crowd, I believe she has a, a fellow teacher friend that's in Australia. Uh, another one's like in South Carolina. Um, there's another lady that's in Europe somewhere. Um, she has this interaction going on. Monday nights is when kinder chat is. And she's a part of it, and she's made these connections. And through other social media things as well, um, she has these other women around the world that they get together, they talk about stuff, and, you know, it, it obviously is real to her, and it matters because they even, you know, one of the things they do is, depending on what they're wearing, they, they will send, take a picture and then post it so the other ladies can see. <laughs> it sound foolish, but it's, it's yeah. really not because she has a community. and Yeah, it's more, and, it's more than just the kindergarten chat, obviously, right? Yeah, and she has other other groups as well that she's connected with. And so I remember, this was a few years ago, uh, someone in Australia had sent a, a book to her to read because in their conversation they were talking about the history of, of Australia. Um, and and so for her, like this is something that she, you know, she has this presence she has she has a group of people. Now, obviously, you have all the foolish, you know, extraneous stuff that's bugging. You know, the the robot, robotic, you know, trying to get you to enlist and this and that. Yeah. But there is a real community, and and that's definitely there. And also, one of my former students, you know, he was the first one I noticed um, who really got into online stuff and communicating online and continues to do that just because he's a shy individual. Um, and also having the experience of showing up, you know, in a local congregation. I mean, there are many people that show up, they, they come in, they sit down and they leave and they don't even talk to anyone. So what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. No, I can understand the strength of that. When I read the article, I, I was actually, I really actually appreciated the tone of the article because a lot of times these things are, are very, you know, they're written very weighted against something alternative and, and, uh, you know how it is, Tom. And Tom Marshall is a professor at uh, Maritime Christian College, a theology professor. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier on the podcast, but, uh, but anyway, it's, it's just so weighted towards the idea of getting people and sitting there. But the, I, what I really appreciated about this article was it, it, it actually did see it as valuable. It has a place. It is a connection. Um, I do, I do kind of agree with what you said. The one thing that, uh, I think where you need two or three or more is, uh, in, is in the practicing of the ordinances. I mean, of, of the Lord's supper communion, yeah. uh, or baptism. I mean, you can't baptize yourself, right. Uh, in order to practice the ordinance of baptism, it takes, it takes at least two as a minimum. And, yeah. and the communion thing too, is, you know, we, 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 even when we take communion, we say, you know, as often we, as we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And, and we're drinking this, these things in recognition of the body and the blood of Christ. Uh, but there's also the aspect of where we're recognizing the body, uh, body of Christ as other people as well. Right. Um, yes, the sacrifice, but we are also connected and united and added to, um, this, this universal body we call, call the, you know, the church. And, uh, so, so I, I, I do, I do understand that, 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 uh, in order to practice those, we need to be together. Um, but uh, I like the fact that 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 he said, you know, we get everything, basically everything we can get at a local church. Uh, 
yeah. um, that, you know, minus, minus some, some skin on. And I, and I, and I, and I, like I say, I, one of the things I shared this article here with somebody else. And I said, you know, uh, if people have the impression that anybody that has a spiritual pulse is seeking out people and, uh, you can't, you cannot stop people with a spiritual pulse from wanting to gather with like-minded people, uh, you know, Christ followers. And I, I think that they'll drive a long distance where, but like you said, if, if all that's happening on Sunday is we're coming in and watching the, the pageant and I use that word pageant, uh, sarcastically, but yet with, with some truth, if, if it's all about just coming to the pageant, well, we can get a pageant online of great music, great teaching and everything else. So without the fellowship, you know, why, why would you even be there? And, uh, and, and what, what my experience is, is even with people that are on the margins of church, most of them, they want to connect. I've, I've actually never met anybody with a spiritual impulse that doesn't want to connect with anybody else. Now, maybe if they were hurt for a short time, they, they'll come out and, and, and want to isolate themselves. But generally, after a little bit of a healing time, all of these people want to gather and you can't stop them from doing it. What frustrates them is when they try and they make an effort and they can't. Yes. Definitely. I was also thinking... Um, there was a local church and I was at and, and they were supporting a missionary. And I remember one Sunday, um, the missionary, um, I want to say was in Thailand and he led the communion service. Yeah. And so while we were taking communion, he was mm. taking communion, he and his wife. And yeah. so even, even with the ordinances, I, you know, I felt like I was having communion with, you know, this missionary the church supported in Thailand as, you know, he obviously, the time difference, um, he was up much later in order to, you know, to meet the Sunday morning that we were focused on. But I thought that it was it was kind of a fun thing. And, and one of the things that we do not do, and I did notice that in the article as well, is we don't use technology to the fullest extent that we could. Yeah, and, you know, we could always improve that. Yeah, I, 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 th I thought that was an interesting thing. Is I, I, or we had a call in when we we worked in uh, Ivory Coast, West Africa, and uh, we had a church do the same thing, and they called in, and we didn't end up sharing communion together. But but it's interesting, you know, when you we say that you know that kind of challenges my thinking on a well, we have to we have to be sitting face to face with somebody to share communion. That you you know it can still yeah. take place over a phone because it is two live people that are live at the same time. And Jesus is bigger than than all of us. That's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and 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 more mobile and present in in a diverse variety of places at the same time. There's something about that that uh, omnipresence that we uh, talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. There was interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's a powerful thing. When it doesn't matter where you are. But if you have two people in agreement and they both believe the same thing, I, you know, I still felt like I was participating. It wasn't like there was nothing. And that's, you know, I know there's, I don't know. I think, I think if you actually participate in something, even though the person is a great distance away, there's value to it. And, and I think that that's why grandkids talk to grandma. I've, you know, I was with one family and the grandma called and mm. she's in China. Yeah. And the grandchild is running around the house just like she was there. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, think about that, you know, like family sharing communion together over Skype and over phone calls. Uh, just think of a, a, like a small rural church, uh, rather than, than running somebody to like, if you have 25 shut-ins, for example, in a rural area where you have a lot of older people, and instead of somebody having to go to or two or three or four or five people making stops, which it's still good to visit, don't get me wrong, but, uh, but maybe sometimes instead of sending people to uh, serve communion, in that way, you also have the the online option. Uh, I thought I thought that was interesting that you know that you brought that up and how how something like that might apply. But yeah. is there there was something interesting in the article too, and I laughed because I I actually I actually put a star beside it and said, oh no, you know, in order for it to be real church, we have to suffer. And I don't know if you saw that about three quarters away down the article, but it said church shouldn't be too easy. Uh, it matters that worship and fellowship intrudes on our schedule. Church should cost us something. Things that cost nothing mean nothing. And I can I literally laughed out loud when I read that is is that uh, you know that if we're not suffering, if we're, if we're not dragging ourselves out in the cold and starting the car in January in minus twenty five degrees Celsius, and uh, driving to church and uh, and sitting in the church even when the sermon is bad or whatever else if we're not suffering enough it's not real church i i found that statement kind of easy that church shouldn't be too too easy it should intrude on our schedule what were what's your thoughts on that well that just means then all these crappy sermons that you hear you have to listen to them <laughs> yeah i i guess we're we yeah you're signed in and uh, locked in and you can't get so out of it what are you doing you're 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 basically saying that you could be mediocre and not do your best because the people need to suffer <laughs> yeah yeah no anyway i thought it was a very fair, fair article and uh I, you know he was positive about it and he and he did actually talk about how you know if if we were to, to come back uh, uh, you know, and the church was to start today, would we invest in the same things the same way as we did 50 years ago or a hundred years ago? And he right. talked about, you know, that, that if somebody was born today and wanted to invent a car and there was no such thing as a car, they probably wouldn't be looking at a gas engine. They would be looking at so, so much, uh, other kinds of, uh, technology, you know, that, that, and they'd build the car from that. And, you know, he kind of said, well, you know, if we were to come back and reinvent how we gathered as a church today, you know, and, and it hadn't happened before you know would we would we build a building and hang a sign and and maybe do all the things the way we do today and uh and i you know i think i think that would cause me to reflect anyway i know i definitely want to simplify it especially when you look at the number of churches that are closing because because you know in the in this day and age you know with heating costs and 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 repairs and construction you know uh, the, yeah. the, you know there, there there so there there is benefit to the to, to these other things as well and in, in my mind well, also to the suffering point. Now, we we are very fortunate in in the West because we do not face persecution like other places where there is a cost to going to church. Mm -hmm. And and you know, in some ways, it may be an underground church, and you know, you you may not be able to meet at a certain time because it's just not feasible, or you may you know lose everything as as one uh, was talking about you know if you become someone involved and kind of a leader in the church chances are you're going to be arrested mm -hmm. like we that is foreign mm -hmm. to us and so you know yeah we we kind of not we kind of miss the obvious that for a lot of times in the early history of the church you know there was persecution 
uh, Domitian was not a nice person, you know, and he tried to stamp out, you know, Christianity when it in its early stages, but it persisted. And so, but to, to force yourself, I, I I find that, you know, the self-indulgent martyr, um, <laughs> because there's nothing else. I, I think that also sounds ridiculous. And I've, I've heard some of that coming from the States where, yeah. you know, someone may have said something about them and they're talking about this great persecution they're suffering. And it's, it's kind of like having a hangnail. And it's like, <laughs> seriously, you're, yeah. you're adding a little bit too much to what's not there. Yeah. And, and so I find that disingenuousness in, in some ways. Yeah. Well, but, I, 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 oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, I know, and well, several examples, uh, one in re- real life and one story I heard of, but, uh, but you know, uh, there was, a, it, it was, it was in, in, on a mission field in Africa. And, uh, also one, one of these was in Asia. And basically what had happened was, uh, the, the congregations were a, a charismatic type congregation, you know, where they feel they got to crank the music up and they're up singing all night long and casting out demons and whatever else that they do and speaking in tongues or whatever else. And of course it makes a lot of, a lot of noise and they got the loudspeaker going and the whole community can hear this all over the community. Now this, this, I've seen that this, this, uh, happen in Africa, like, literally hundreds of times and uh, and then the police get called and you know they come and they just say turn the noise down you know you can't be doing yeah. this or whatever else but the letter that goes back to the to the states or, or back to north america is is that you know the police came and tried to shut down our church and uh and 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 it, it's made out to be this big persecution thing when the reality is it's the former ministry they got they're trying to shove it in the face of people people are trying to sleep all over the community and and uh and you know and you're sitting here listening and subjugated to the the, the black of, of uh, I'll say it, I'll call it their foolishness and you have no escape. And then people just get sick and tired of it and they call the police. That's not persecution. No. And that's, I mean, if you really think about it, false martyr, like, I don't know. I'm, I know in the States, they, they have certain guys. I've, I've seen it on, on the web where, you know, they'll call out a Navy SEAL because someone's bragging about being a Navy SEAL. Like, okay. What class are you in? And, you know, it's like, you didn't serve in the military. Get that uniform off, you know. For some reason, some people feel that they have to do that. Well, in the case of, you know, of Christians, like, playing the false <clears throat> martyr, I, like, that's just, like, it. I would never think of doing that because people had died for their faith, and the last thing that you want to do is to mock it and to present yourself or see yourself as a, as a false martyr is just, it's a wacky concept mm-hmm. because, you know, in Acts, when, when they were whipped and they came back to the, the believers, they showed the, the marks on their backs or on their, on their person. And, and they were very proud of the fact that they, you know, carried the, the scars of Christ, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think our mentality today is just completely different from, from the first century. And I know this is off the topic of, yeah. you know, on online church and stuff. But that's something that I find that is just kind of, you know, this whole concept of being a false martyr and, and really being persecuted when there are those that are actually suffering 
Yeah. I don't know. I just find that, you know, God might not like that. Well, I, I think this digital stuff is a gift to the persecuted church because uh, I, I, I know I know of a story too where, where you know, there's not very Muslim believers and they don't want to gather in a church. Like there's only three or four of them. And uh, anyway, and they don't want to have, you know, the, the outward expression of, of a usual church service because in that culture to be a non-Muslim is actually against the law. Yeah. And uh, they are going to be arrested, but yet you know uh, uh, it's a country that's re uh, full of cell phones, and then but yet they can pick up a cell phone and they can call uh, call this fellow believer without making you know a statement of gathering at their house so the neighbors see and whatever else and hear them singing or whatever. But they can pick up a phone and call one another and pray for one another and uh, you know and 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 share scripture to, you know together in a private setting or whatever. And, uh, so there, there is a place for it. I mean, there, there, there is, is it, I, it just give you an example. I, I can remember, uh, uh, there was one, uh, church leader, uh, a mission leader. Anyway, he was speaking to a supporting church on behalf of some missionaries. And, uh, I believe this was, uh, or it was Wycliffe. And, uh, anyway, he was uh, at a church that was going to give a substantial amount of money for Bible translation anyway. And, and at this meeting, he picked up his cell phone and he started typing something and the, the other men at the table, you know, kind of looked at him. It's like, what, you know, uh, what, what's happening here isn't important enough to you that you got to be on your phone. And of course the usual mentality towards, you know, cell phones and that sort of thing. And, uh, and he said, well, he said, actually what I'm doing here is important and it, it and it's very urgent and timely. He said, first of all, I said, I want you to understand that what I'm doing, what, when I picked up this phone, he said, this is part of my job. It's in my dis job description that I have to be active in social media and, uh, and timely in, in keeping people updated. But he said, you know what I just got? He said, I just received a text. He said from one of our mission families, that's in a very, very remote area. There's no power, there's no roadways or whatever, but there was basically, basically some tribal warfare had broke out among their tribe and another tribe. And they weren't sure if they were going to evacuate or what was going to happen, but they, they but they were able to send out over a satellite phone or something, a text message or something like this that said, um, um, that, that they needed prayer. And this is what was happening. It was like literally two or three sentences, uh, you know, we'll keep you posted, but we need prayer right away. And, uh, so that was forwarded or, or, or he took that message and then he forwarded it. And he said that immediate prayer message for that family that's in, in a crisis that could be life and death right now. He said, just went out to 80 other, 80,000 other people. He said in, in the 10 seconds I took to, to read that and then forward it and put it out on a network. That's impressive. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and so yet we often see, see media, you know, and, and this kind of technology is our enemy. It's not our enemy, but like I said, at the very least, you know, uh, may, maybe you're not going to have a podcast like you have, or, or like I'm trying to start here. Um, but any church can, can have a Facebook page and then, uh, buy a little phone bracket and hang it on the wall. Like, like I saw it at, at a church this last weekend and, uh, and, and, and put your cell phone up there and li live stream your service. Anybody can do that. That, that's that's not hard exactly yeah well do you have anything else you want to put in tom before we quit for the day oh oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know i i do i i'd like to talk to um kurt and, uh, nordhelm again i remember this is a few years ago he was actually had to find and participate in a virtual church and what what why was he pushed to do this who who, who instigated this job and and he was exploring you know as a possibility is this an area that they can get into 
Uh, he worked at Restoration House uh, Ministries, and and he said uh, he had to come up with a an avatar. So when he would enter the church or wherever room it was, you know there would be a you know a, a three dimensional whatever it is little figure that other people could see. And he said, now it is interesting though, because he said the other people that had their avatars, like some of these other avatars. Some were dressed and some were not necessarily dressed fully. <laughs> and because you had a wide range of people. Yeah, right. And it's their perception of themselves. Yeah. yeah. And it was also open. It was like, you know, it was open to anyone and everyone. Right. So you, you basically had whoever was interested popping in, just see. And, and he said it was a very intriguing thing, but yet it just like... It was also, I don't know if this is right, I don't know if this is wrong, but it is a way of communicating with people. And a lot of people in today's world, they don't necessarily go to church. They don't need to go to church because they basically have a virtual world that they live within. And I think the church, the power of Jesus, it goes across everything. It's not bound by one location it can be electronic mm-hmm. uh, now you can't have the touch aspect of it but yet talking to my friend who's going through a tough time and you know he was actually had counseling earlier in the day and and we started texting back and forth so it's a text conversation mm-hmm. i was kind of picking up <clears throat> that i said that i probably did more to help him out that day than the counselor did just because I was willing to text to him and, you know, just yeah. be there. With yeah, just bounce him back and forth in the ideas and what he's processing through his head and helping helping him process the whole thing. Yeah, he was in a coffee shop somewhere and I was at home. And, yeah. you know, there was connectivity because we had, you know, we physically had seen and known and went to school together. So I think in that context as well, if there is some form of, of actual meeting or coming together to begin with that does increase the, the power of the virtual. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because, because it still is based on, on a real, real face-to-face relationship, even though it may be uh, one that, that was only face-to-face many years ago. Right. Right. But if you take the old, you know, I know on the thing they said analog and, um, but I'm thinking of the movie, Julie and Julia about Julia child. Um, she had a pen pal and they wrote letters back and forth. And eventually she, she went and, and, and Avis DeVoe was her friend that she got to know while she was in France. And, you know, they were the best of friends via being pen pals. Mm, Yeah. And eventually they did get to meet. And so, I mean, let's be honest in the past. And even, even, uh, is, is it, um, Hildebrand or Hillary or there's a there's a famous um, what is it monk and 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 nun they had this love relationship via letter you know, writing yeah letter writing it's a it's a well known <laughs> yeah you know in the Middle Ages or whatever it was 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that wasn't face to face, but, uh, h- how many times, uh, have you, have you ever hobnob with people over maybe an extended period of time on the internet or, or Facebook or connected because they, you, you find out they have a similar interests, And then, uh, and then, you know, the people say to you, I, I, I feel like I've known you my whole life because, yeah. because there's a connection, you know, I've, I've had, I've had, uh, you know, ministry people say that and then when you finally get to meet face to face what what you know there's no tension there's no i don't know this person i'm talking to a stranger it's like when you're at the face to face with them at a table or at a coffee shop for the first time after years and years of this you, the conversation just carries on just like it did online as 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 if it was a real relationship and well, uh, really if you think about it the internet is not mm-hmm. new in the sense of forming relationships and stuff it's been going on for years and years through letter writing yeah yeah it's just a newer form of it as all uh well i don't know if you and i remember the naked pastor uh he he's over in uh Quispam sis in in uh in new brunswick area and uh he he's been he's been trying to form a community no not trying to he has formed a community and it, i think it was called the lasting supper and it, it is by subscription you know there's a modest fee because you know he is on there uh, talking with people he is uh conducting services online what the nature of those would be i can guarantee it wouldn't be like a traditional church service and stuff but he says you know like we've got people from all over the world uh from every background of life some people with with good church experience some with absolutely absolute horror stories uh to lgbtq to uh, uh former pastors uh, uh former pastors wives and, uh, and anyway, and, and they are connecting with him and it grew so fast and so big that he almost can't manage it. You know what I mean? He, he, he had, to, it was taking more time, uh, than, yeah. than he could handle. And basically, I, I guess it grew to the point where he literally they needed to hire another naked pastor. One naked pastor wasn't enough. And, uh, you know, to, to, to you know, to keep up the actual interaction and the, and, right. and the connection and the feedback with people, because once that gets so big, you kind of lose the ability for everybody to contribute. And, but I mean, I think they were up to several hundred people paying, this was by a paid subscription so that, that he could dedicate, dedicate their time. So he, you know, he was actually being monetarily, uh, reimbursed to some degree. I'm sure it wasn't, uh, nearly to the degree it should have been, but, uh, but he was, at, he was their online pastor. It, it just demonstrates people want to connect. They want something. They're longing for something. Otherwise this would not have worked. Yeah, exactly. So obviously even through an online medium, People are willing and and longing, and it sounds like even willing to put up money to pay to have some form of connectivity. So obviously it's not a nothing. It must be something. Otherwise, people wouldn't have done it. Well, it goes back to my thesis. Uh, my experience is is that anybody with a spiritual pulse, you cannot keep them apart from other or you know other people, of uh, uh, you know of similar interests and in spirit spiritual uh, hunger, and uh, and that and I mean that by by the sense that yes, if if people can connect at a physical church with people. Uh, and not just go and sit there and look at the back of people's heads and and really really you know find find the people who really want to be friends with them that they, they will they will drive a hundred kilometers uh, to a church in order to have that but they wouldn't cross the street to a church that has a service but doesn't provide that 
And, exactly. And and I think it's the same thing with with the online uh, uh, thing as well. Is that is that if somebody is having a great dialogue with you, you know, you get home from work or like you said uh, on break or whatever, you you text back and forth and and uh, you know hash something out or whatever. Uh, th- look, you know, they have all the time in the world for that. If if it's something that's uh, that's fruitful and encouraging and productive productive for them. But when it becomes you know that nobody you know you're talking into a tube and nobody's responding back, well. Of course, that that doesn't work in a local church when you go and sit in a tube and then leave and and, sure. and there's no connection, and that doesn't work in in um, in the digital world uh, either. So I guess I guess what uh, what we're you seem to be coming back to is 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 what the church really has to offer that the internet can't is is physical connection. Um, but you know what, the internet can can offer a lot of an, an, anonymity. Uh, without connection too, if people aren't actually staking, taking the time to interact with people, you know, you can post a lot of things and get no feedback on, on, uh, on the internet, which of course I'm aware of because I post a lot of things in the internet and you'd never get a comment. You'd never, you'd never get a view. You'd never get any conversation yeah. about it. Well, you know, that, that's kind of discouraging too. So, so if you're looking for connection, you know, whether it be, be in the church in the physical sense or, or even online, you know, it, it takes, it takes two people, uh, uh, or more, uh, to actually want a hobnob, you know, and, 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 and mentioning that, you know, uh, I, I, I did that just, uh, for the first time since I've been on Facebook. Now, mind you, I cleaned out a, a lot of, uh, of various strangers and stuff off my Facebook feed a few years back. Well, probably about eight or 10 years ago. Well, that was because I had a lot of strangers that weren't really my friends, but they were connected <clears throat> through our work in, in Africa and uh, yeah. they were associated with that, but they weren't personal friends. And so I kind of, kind of stepped back from, from my personal feed being that, and, you know, we allowed the official channels and the official pages and groups to do that, um, and put the information there, but kind of kept my, the, the, you know, the Facebook feed more for my personal friends, whatever. So, so I cut a lot of strangers that were never really friends. They were just more contacts than anything else. But having said that, um, it was only in the last, uh, last month, um, I had people on my, on my Facebook feed that were, you know, friends or whatever for years. And, uh, and I actually, I, I cut one person because, because they were a long time friend, but, but, uh, but I was going to be in their area and I sent a note one time and I, and you know, and I got a little answer back, but I sent a note, well, I'm going to be in your area if you want to get together, um, you know, coffee can be on me and I never got an answer. And then about a year or two later, uh, I did the same thing and never got an answer. And anyway, and then the last time I, I, I asked a direct question about something I was asking for some help, like just, a, 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 some information on a few book titles and, uh, anyway, and I never got an answer and I just said, you know what, like, like, like a friend who won't answer a direct private message is not a friend at all. And, uh, and, and especially uh, when, when you, when you have, uh, you know, a direct invitation to, to, to actually have a face-to-face meeting and, you know, just to get together or whatever. And, 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 the, and, the, and they turn that down and can't even, you know, can't even say, no, I'm busy. Uh, to me, to me, that said something. So for the first time in my life, I actually, I actually did that to two people. I actually unfriended them because I just said, you know what, this, this is not really friendship. And, uh, you know, it, it's always been one way and it seems to be one way. So, you know what, my, my, my side is closed too. And, uh, and that's a reality too. Some relationships you just got to move on from too. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Tom, I appreciate your time. I know you're, you're, you're eating your lunch. He's on his lunch break from, uh, from work at there as a, as a busy theological teacher. But anyway, we appreciate you taking time today. 
It was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, uh, thanks for joining the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast with Tom Marshall today. And again, uh, the Two Bird Dogs Podcast is going to be going live here eventually. And when Tom gets that together, we, uh, we will be sure to give you more information on that. So thank you for tuning in today. Have a good day. You still here? Man, you stuck around for a long time. You must be a sucker for punishment. Thank you for tuning in to the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast. Please check us out at theinvisiblehumanitarian.ca and please give us a good review on your uh, podcast subscriber. And please tell all your crazy friends about this podcast.